0: Here we are back again for uh, Part 3, we will call it, with our Native American friend, Wren.
1: Hello. How you guys doing? (laughs) From a child
0: born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Closed-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. We are going to dive into a little bit more of uh, the obscure paranormal with the beliefs of the Native American tribes and without further ado, do. Now, one of the things we had uh, briefly talked about is the Thunderbird.
1: The Thunderbird. Um, I only really know about the Thunderbird from what I've read in literature, not so much from my tribe, even though on the seal of the, the great seal of the Menominee, which is just a symbol that symbolized my tribe, the Thunderbird is prominently displayed as sort of a geometric version of a bird. The Thunderbird, from what I understand, showed up in great times of distress for entire regions, meaning not just one tribe, not just one person. An entire region would have to be in trouble from usually another animal, like a spirit animal, giving all the people a hard time, meaning trying to make them non-existent. And the, sp- the Thunderbird would show up and do battle with whatever it was. There's even stories of the Thunderbird losing, but still always coming back later, like for the next one and the next one. You couldn't kill it. Something like uh, the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It was not a great big bird that ate people, like what they're trying to turn it into today. Now, that was
2: going to be my question. It's a, it's a spiritual entity more than a physical.
1: Well, it was, it was a great spiritual spiritual entity that, came and shot lightning out of its mouth. I mean, kind of like a wizard battle almost that well, you'd see on TV. I think
0: you mentioned Godzilla type earlier. It, it that's would, a bad representation, but a good orientation maybe. Yeah,
1: like uh, the Spear of the Bear supposedly threatened a whole bunch of tribes once by trying to eat them all. And the Thunderbird showed up and did battle with Bear. And you call it singularly, like that's its title, Bear and Thunderbird meaning there's only one spirit of bear and there was only one Thunderbird. Uh, I even forgot how the exact story went, but I mean, we're still here. We didn't get eaten. So I can only assume (laughs) that either the the Thunderbird hurt the bear so bad before the Thunderbird died or it actually defeated bear, which is if it defeated bear, that tells you the power of the Thunderbird, which was great.
0: So was the Thunderbird more of a protector
1: yes it was it was was a good thing that's why it's on the great seal of menominee okay and that's why we revere the eagle the bald eagle today Mm -hmm. is like a representative of the thunderbird to us
2: so these i mean you wouldn't classify thunderbird or bears like good or evil they were just a a spiritual
1: bear was bad because it was starving and eating everything everything deers everything Thunderbird was good because it showed up to actually do battle and stop Bear. So
2: I think it's like when we were talking earlier, maybe the first episode even, where it was situational. Thunderbird was good because he was helping, where Bear was just trying to survive or whatever, starving, you said he's eating.
0: Bear kind of turned bad. Not necessarily he was born bad, but he he turned bad. Yeah. Due um, to environment or whatever. Maybe
1: it got so big that it couldn't find enough food, and then it started devouring everything.
2: Now, uh, at the end of our last episode, you kind of teased us. You said there was another story that you um, had.
1: There's there's the story of Spirit Rock. Spirit Rock was said to be a man once. And the the boulder is still there on my reservation. I visit it almost every time I go up there. The story is three Braves got a chance to go see the Great Spirit. They call it something else. It's in my neighborhood. I forgot. And they each got to ask a boon of the great spirit. Well, the first guy asked for good hunting and great spirit was pleased. Okay, you'll you always have good hunting. The next guy asked for good fishing. Again, the great spirit was pleased. The third guy got greedy. The third guy asked for everlasting life. So he could master everything. He could be a great hunter, a great fisher, a great warrior. And that displeased the great spirit. So... The great spirit came down, grabbed him on the shoulder, and said, I shall turn you into a rock forevermore. You will last through the ages. And when you've worn away to nothing, there'll be no more full-blooded Menominee Indians left. Now, the rock is still there, and it has a great big plaque to it. They, They recognize that as the boulder. It has gotten significantly smaller since I went there, which... That's kind of strange considering in the lifetime of a man, it's Normal hard for erosion a rock, of a rock, to, rock or, or, yeah wear yeah. It was probably three feet tall when I was there as a kid. And now it's almost ground level. Oh, wow. Um, I have pictures of it. I have pictures of the sign. When I was a kid and they brought me there for the very first time, it sticks out in my mind because there were all kinds of, it was nighttime when they brought me there. And there was all kinds of phosphorant, lightly phosphorant beings all around this rock and i was terrified as a kid and my dad was of a mind there's nothing here just come with us hmm. because he didn't see it
0: i was gonna say he may not have seen it yeah you being a child maybe you were more open-minded to it or
1: terrified me because i didn't know what they were nobody else could see them my mom couldn't see them and they were like just put the offering down and let's go. And I didn't want to go nowhere, like fighting them, dragging against them. And of course they brought me right to the rock, like, you know, holding a kitten, (laughs) nothing I could do. And here I am, just screaming my head off, like, no, no. And they couldn't get me to even make an offering, which a lot of Menominee make offerings of drink and smoke to the rock because he's, he's like an old man to them and they respect him even though he was cursed by the great spirit.
0: Now, what do you think these creatures were that that you saw?
1: I think they were either the spirit of dead Menominee from the past. But again, I'm not a spirit medium, and I don't get feelings from these things when I see them. They just terrify me.
0: Well, the first thing that jumped into my mind was
1: one of our previous episodes is the fae. The little people was, uh, you know. There there might have been fae there, but there were full-size people in the woods around the rock. And then around the rock, there were little ones. Hmm. And those could have been the fae. But again, as a kid, five years old, the first time you're going there yeah. and you're seeing these things at night, you have no idea or clue yeah. what they're trying to drag you into. And you don't want no part of it. <laughs>
0: Now, I I mentioned the fae, but um, I know when I was talking to you, it's been months, maybe even a year ago. You had made a comment to me that you had made an offering to the little people, I believe was the terminology. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. And I guess I was just, I don't know, I I was unaware that the natives believed in any type of what I would call the fae or the little people. So that really, really intrigued me.
1: Okay, from my understanding, there are legends of little people all over the world. All the cultures of man, Africa, China, specifically with the Norse, and of course the people of England. Both ancient and modern have legends that go back for centuries, if not thousands of years, of all different kinds of little people, which they were called the Fae over there.
0: English-wise, yeah, for sure. Yeah,
1: I mean, and then the the more ancient people, Celts, they were, I believe they called them the Tuatha de Danann.
0: I've heard that, yes.
1: They're more or less, you know, like the elves, though, but also it includes the small folk.
2: Well, and in our episode where we talked about recent encounters with the Fae, I mean, just any, any search for the Fae, and yeah, I mean, I found stories from... You know, Aborigines in, in Australia, and, and like you said, Africa, Asian cultures. I mean, all over the globe. And the fae is a very back.
0: broad spectrum. I mean, in that podcast, we talked about the Cottingley fairies, but how brownies, how elves, dwarves, hobgoblins, trolls, and whore, goblins, trolls, trolls,
1: and, trolls, and, toadstools. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: all under red caps, the big and toadstools, umbrella. Yeah. all
1: under the same. From what I understood, my nephew who lives up on there on that reservation to this day. He was told where they live, but he was entirely terrified of them. And in, by no means did he want to go anywhere near where those woods hold the little people up there. He said, because those little people are dangerous. He said, they're, they're no more than a foot or smaller, but they will hurt you if you go into their section of woods. My mind was I was going to go up there with offerings and try and respectfully go into there. And he didn't even suggest that, nor would he take me. And this is my own nephew.
2: So no, some of the stories we talked about, they could be vindictive if you spurned them in some way, if you offended them. It sounds like maybe these these little little people are, are maybe dangerous all the time, or
1: that's was his impression. He said, "An uh, old man told him where they were. The old man has long since died, and every time I ask him about him, he gets." visibly frightened and this is I mean I call him a kid but he's probably nearly 30 years old now and he gets visibly shaken when I mention the little people he told me about he he don't want to go near him he don't want to go near him with a gun he just don't want to go near Definitely
0: him. sounds like the dark fae if we want to put a, a label. well
1: what it, what it might be is they didn't they might not have gotten along with the Menominee and okay. they went to war in which case from my understanding the Menominee, were vicious to their enemies. To their sister tribes, the Potawatomi and the Winnebago, they were friends. They shared food. Everybody was good. Nobody wanted any bloodshed. But if you were like the Ojibwe or the Chippewa, you were a mortal enemy and they tried to exterminate you.
0: Now, was that if they trespassed or just literally if they came across them?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot of myth going that First Nations people were nice and they lived with the environment. There were times of war for them, too. There were things that they did to each other that were not, we wouldn't be proud of today. They weren't, they were human.
2: Yep. I was going to say, I think earlier, you know, men are men. Yeah. We're going to do terrible things sometimes.
1: And it that goes for the First Nations people as well. They're no better than anybody else. So maybe the my guess is they went to war with the little people there, and they must have really did a number on them, because the little people don't want anything to do with the big folk on the reservation. They will hurt you if you go there, is what I was told. I'm still going to attempt it, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bring a rifle. I probably will bring a sidearm. I won't draw the sidearm. And I'll try and bring things that traditional fae like, like honey, real honey, tobacco, whiskey, and candy are gifts. Supposedly, you can give the little people and they'll allow you to pass. And the more gifts you give them, like if you give them candy, they won't hurt you. They'll let you go through. If you give them candy and tobacco, they'll kind of follow you along and maybe they'll chase away anything bad that you might encounter, like don't don't bother him. Just go away. And if you give them whiskey, tobacco, tobacco and candy, if you're aware enough, they'll actually speak to you. Hmm. Which you got to be aware as well. You you might you might have to have that third eye open, or you won't be able to hear them or see them.
0: Now you said your nephew knew where this was, and I believe you said because this older elder and, man had shown him or told well, him he, where. He it was told about. him
1: exactly where it was, but he won't take me
0: now. So, obviously, it's not a well-known place. Probably not many people would know where it was at.
1: My guess is, is that anyone who believes in the old ways would probably know the general location, not the exact site. And they stay the hell away because if he said that, all of them were told the same. The little people are not nice. You don't know what you're getting into if you go there.
0: I was just wondering, the the older man that's now passed away, if he had some possible connection or a tie, or was he just one of the elder people that knew the old ways? I think
1: he just knew some of the old stories. Okay. I don't know if he was a drinking man or not a drinking man. Uh, These days, it could go 50-50 with them natives up there. Some of them don't touch drugs or drinking, and some of them love to spend their entire lives doing that. I think that goes across all humankind. I myself am a recovering drug addict, so... Who am I to criticize?
0: Right, right. Well, some of them, you are able to defeat it, and some, unfortunately, it defeats them.
1: Well, I mean, some of them don't even see it as a problem. They, they're they going to live their lives as they choose, and uh, that's that, you know.
0: Another topic we had addressed in one of our earlier podcasts was giants, and I know I talked to you about it, and, you, yeah. and your tribe didn't really have a lot to do or beliefs with the giants. Well, but, I think
2: we I talked about that um, prior to, to recording, is that you're... Your people tie giants more in with like the Bigfoot.
1: Yes. Um, one thing you will notice, where the little folk exist, the big folk don't. If if ever you get a lot of stories of fae or fae type people, you don't get a lot of stories of Bigfoot or the giants. Huh. Kind of one or the other. Yeah. Like one chases out the other or the little people. Like the little people consider us giants. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's your general attitude. Is those are the big folk, and they're all the same. We don't want them here. Once (laughs) in a while, you might get one who's kind of cool, but generally, they all suck.
0: We don't serve your kind here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you had mentioned with one of the tribes. I I don't think it was your own, but the the giant uh, and the bigfoot kind of cross. There were like ten foot, twelve foot. 20 foot and then Hill Giants was mentioned. I Mountain Giants. It. Mountain Giants. Thank you for correcting. Um,
1: these are things that I did in research only. I, I've never encountered anything similar to any of these things. Uh, but uh, if I could mention someone who does their own podcast, a guy named David Polites, his first, he, he, was a, uh, he was a homicide detective on the West Coast. And when he retired, He got into Bigfoot research okay, and he only approaches it from a scientific viewpoint. Meaning if it can't be involved in science, then then legends are okay to listen to, but they're not testimony. They're not, they're not evidence. Yeah. So he went around and he collected fecal matter and hair and blood samples from specific sites where they said that this was Bigfoot. And when he tried to get, Uh, science offices to look into it, to analyze it. He told them what it was and they said, no way, we're not touching none of that.
0: (laughs) Don't even want to be associated with it. So what
1: he did was he took a different tract. He took it to another another office lab or whatever. And he didn't tell them what it was. He just said, could you analyze this for me? Well, do you have the money? Yes, here's the money. They analyzed it. And the results they got back, and this is documentable was it was unspecified human DNA. Human. Human. Not human and animal. Not, and it was, what I mean by unspecified, meaning it wasn't Mongolian, it wasn't white man, it wasn't native. It
2: Nothing in their was, little library.
1: There's nothing to correlate what type of human this was, but it's human.
2: Well, there are a lot of Bigfoot, Bigfoot lore that says that it's uh, an ancestor or maybe... An offshoot. Offshoot, yeah. So,
0: yep.
1: Well, the, what it is is it discounted apes. Apes are not human specifically. Their DNA comes up different. Even chimps. The closest one to us are chimps. And even their DNA and their chromosomes have a difference in them from ours.
0: So, this is more closely this, related than that.
1: They said human, no doubt. And then they said it was contaminated. When he told them, well, that was Bigfoot DNA. It's contaminated. Was their next thing out of their mouth.
0: Again, we can't explain
1: which, it. We, well that, That's
2: which, sort of the problem with this in general, is that serious researchers are almost embarrassed to be associated with it. Right. But serious research is what you need if you're going to prove any of this.
1: Well, him being a homicide detective approached it only with a scientific viewpoint on this. He collected evidence the same way he'd collect evidence on a crime scene. Like with tweezers and gloves. Yeah. and More and,
0: accurately and, very, and better than any of us would. Oh,
1: yeah. And they still said contaminated. As soon as they heard what he was about, they said, you can't use those results, and this is contaminated. Well, oh. like
0: Bill said, they just don't want to be affiliated or tied to that whatsoever, and that's tragic because... We are still discovering creatures and animals that we never knew existed.
2: I was going to say, we're rendering animals extinct that we never knew existed. Yeah. And then so, on the
0: opposite hand, we say they're extinct and we're finding them. Yeah. I mean, so it's going both ways this, now more than ever. They
1: said the Kraken was a myth. And now we're finding the giant squid and the colossus squid, the giant octopus and the colossus octopus. Yeah,
0: What's those up? haven't just popped up in the last 10 years. Those What's things what? have been alive the when, whole time.
2: When we talked about Megalodon... Uh, We talked about the coelacanth, which was only existed in the fossil record. And then somebody caught one in the 70s off the coast
1: of Africa. I may be saying it wrong, but it's Carcharodon Megalodon. (laughs) And it's the biggest, the biggest shark ever, which keeps me well out of the oceans.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You have any other tales or stories that you could
1: add in? Uh, I used to see ghosts at my grandfather's house. But again, you're talking two or three years old. He was the first house in a little town called Durand. The very lot number one. When it was all farmland, he had this... Well, somebody else had the house. He later bought it. But by the time he bought it, there was a little town called Durand around this house. The house had to be... Well, it's still standing. It's got to be 150, 160 years old. And when they used to try and put me to bed upstairs by myself, I used to scream and holler because dead things used to peek at me over the crib Ooh. like rotting faced dead things Ooh. and that's i never gave my parents a hard time going to bed in chicago where i lived okay it's bedtime time to go you go to bed but there if, unless you were staying with me i'm not gonna do i don't care if you beat my ass hit me with a belt but i'm not going in there
0: did they ever try to do anything touchy or did they just appear well, they, and they, scare you they,
1: well, it just scared the hell out of me, because, I mean, I knew what rotting people looked like at the age of two. <laughs>
0: yeah, things a two-year-old should not
2: know. And that's not normal. No.
1: You used to see faces in, in the reflections of the mirrors there. Like, if you hit it from a different angle, and it was showing part of the room over there, there'd be dead people standing there looking in the mirror.
2: Hmm. So that goes back to the mirror thing. Yeah. My mother portal says, Gato.
1: My mother says when she was a child at that specific house that the rocking chairs used to rock by themselves, and then when my grandfather seen it, he was like, "Who left a window open? There's no doors or windows open. Who was rocking in that rocking chair? Dad, I don't know. It it just started by itself. Well, when you see it rocking next time, you grab it and stop it.
2: I <laughs> see that's that's kind of weird. My grandma had this thing when we were kids that uh you couldn't rock a rocking chair if somebody wasn't in it. It was like a bad luck thing. And and maybe maybe there's another reason why my grandma would say that. i'm but yeah, like in my grandma's house you couldn't have a rocking chair rocking with nobody in it. And it's very simple like if if that happened you had to stop it. Well, Don't playfully was, go by and bump this is my mother
1: saying that, that thing used to rock by itself. Nobody bumped it. And that was his attitude was he was he was an old farmer type. I think he left home at thirteen you know, real young and took care of himself across the country. So he was hardcore, like nothing scared him. nothing, not even ghosts. Well, that would
0: definitely be what we would call residual, you know, haunting type stuff where we would see something in in paranormal investigations where a rocking chair would just rock. But the rotting flesh faces and stuff, that's, that's not residual. Remember, I
1: was two years old. Right. Right. And I used to always see things like that all around. And over the years, I think as a defense mechanism, my mind tended to start to block these visions out. I think that's very normal. The alternative is I have a problem with my mind and that I see things. Now, I don't do it anymore, but I used to when I was a kid. And it lasted right into my teen years.
0: I never had that, but I will share my own little story. When I was young, I'll say definitely preteen, I'll say around 10 years old and younger, Many times at night, I would feel myself leave my body, and I would go to other places. And I think I've mentioned this to Bill before, but I would have all my senses. I mean, I could smell, hear, obviously, see visual. you
1: remember that dream for years, wouldn't you? Oh,
0: vividly. Astral projection. And like, I remember going through like the woods and ironically it was like I was floating, but I could hear my footsteps in the leaves and the twigs crunching. Either that or something was following me. I still don't know (laughs) to this day. But yeah, it, it, at first it was very scary. Again, young child trying to understand this. You would think it would be a dream, but it was so very vivid that, you would remember that more than what happened truly when you were awake that day. I mean, it was that kind of a dream. And then probably by the time I was about 10 or 11, I, I think we kind of tune out some of that stuff because it's, well, you're not supposed to be, you know, having that or seeing that. or So we kind of train ourselves to turn a lot of that, that off. That
2: seems to be a common kind of thought is that like when you enter puberty, I guess for, you know, you, you kind of, lose your ability to, to interact and see things. And I mean, even my kids, my oldest, and you know, he will, when he was little, he claimed to see things in our house that, that we didn't necessarily see. And now, you know, as a educated college man that he is, you know, that <laughs> like, he doesn't even listen to this podcast because the, the topics are so outside his wheelhouse. But you know, at the same time, this kid as a little kid claimed to have seen a ghost in our house. So yeah. Sometimes
0: I wonder if the ones that that push it back the most are the ones that were probably the most connected, if that makes sense.
1: To me, the unseen world is very real. Just because we don't see it doesn't mean it don't exist. There are levels of technology we don't understand, but it's real. It's there. It exists. We don't understand how it works, but it's there. How could it not be there? I mean, We don't understand how a black hole works. It's not supposed to work the way it's supposed to. The way they say it does... Yet they're there. They do what they do. We can't explain them. We don't know what they are, but they're there.
2: I think it's where we're at with a lot of the paranormal stuff. I think at, at a certain point in time, we'll be able to explain a lot of these things that are unexplainable. And again, you know, when we talk about the Bigfoot thing and the scientists not wanting to be involved, if they would take the time maybe to put it, a scientific investigation in place, maybe we could explain some of these things. And it, There may be things that we never explain, but you know, I think we... I don't think a lot of these topics are taken as seriously as they should be.
1: The way I see it is how far down the rabbit hole do you want to go yeah. with it? Yeah. Uh, do you start to get into conspiracy theories about the really weird stuff? You know, or do you want to say, oh, I, I draw the line here and I don't believe beyond it. The paranormal group I'm with, sh- the, the leader of that group does not believe in aliens. She believes in ghosts, but she don't believe in aliens.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you get, some people got to draw the line somewhere.
0: Well, so. a lot of people join paranormal groups as a total skeptic, but yet they want to believe. So they're like, okay, I'm going to be out here on the front line as much as I can because I want to believe. I haven't ever saw anything, but you know, I'm, I'm going to be that skeptic. I'm going to say out of 100 things, 99 of them can be explained.
1: Well, This is, gives you an example. Uh, since I've seen those things as a kid, that was my fuel to go into the occult. To, to wonder what's actually out there, to make it a lifelong search. Now, it was I professional investigator? No, I wasn't. But it was always to delve <laughs> deeper and go more and see and do and find out exactly what's what. And it all started from me seeing things as a small kid. My brothers and sisters, they either don't believe or they're w- what you would call agnostic about it, meaning, okay, there's something out there. But I don't want to know what it is, and I don't care about it.
2: Turn a blind eye. Yep. So I out. guess I, I'm lucky in that respect, and that my brother and my sister, which which Eric knows, they are totally on board with this stuff. <laughs> they uh, went my with us on a couple of ghost hunts yeah, and go, stuff. Yeah, they went get on the to ghost hunts and stuff. And I remember even times where we would drive around at night, you know, just to, to get away and, and and I think more than anything scare ourselves. But like one of my favorite stories is is driving down this back road. My sister's driving. I'm sitting in the back seat. And just, you know, it was one of those little bit of fog, just spooky as could be. And I'm like, wouldn't it just be something else if something just comes swooping down out of the trees? And, I mean, no sooner had I said that, this big old owl comes down and just goes (laughs) right across and up over the car. My sister locked up the brakes, and (laughs) she about turned and hit me, you know, because it was just the timing of it. But still, I mean, I, I said that, and then that happens. Yeah. So. Um, I think we're getting close to wrapping up this third episode, and I want to say it has been an absolute delight. A pleasure as for me too. I'm glad it, you came an honor on. honor and a pleasure. Thank to, you so much
1: for for me to be on your show. Thank you so much. It's it's been very fun. I will be checking out all your podcast after this because well, it's been very interesting.
2: Like I said, uh, just talking to you and, and hearing your stories. And I, am just gonna say, I think I speak for Eric. You can come back anytime. If Absolutely, you got enough to Thank share. You so much.
0: So and, uh, for you, for those listeners out there, of course we have a Facebook page. And if you have maybe some questions for later follow up, uh, please feel free to leave those there on our Facebook page. Uh, you can reach out and message us, and heck, we may uh, do a follow up. Uh, I,
1: I sure will become podcast. a member of that page, and uh, I'll be sending out, you know, my thoughts and opinions on the page for sure.
0: So these are just some more examples of stories and legends and lore that you will find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway.
1: Hello, my name is Lauren Wichizit and I'm with the Dauntless Paranormal Investigations. We're a non-profit organization that are looking for houses that are possibly haunted. We don't charge anything. We have full waivers to sign so in case something you don't want, like your name or your address, to not be involved in the A printed or shown investigation will gladly sign them and keep your anonymity safe. And uh, thank you so much for giving a listen.
0: Hey, this is Eric, and I just wanted to give a little reach out and a plug to our first paying sponsor for Nightmares on the Lost Highway. That's our little family uh, toy and gaming shop here in Lebanon, Missouri, called Raven's Loft. If you happen to be in the central missouri area please check us out we have two locations first one is at 223 west commercial downtown lebanon we've also branched out to a second location out at the heartland antique mall also here in lebanon you're going to find all kinds of vintage toys star wars star trek gi joe transformers migo universal monsters all types of gaming board games magic the gathering so we would appreciate it if you'd uh, stop by you can like our facebook page Uh, swing by and check us out thank you so much I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast.
2: You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our
0: producer, electronic recording technician. uh, um, He's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Wears is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that.